You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor George Willis, which is from the sermon series, Don't Get It Twisted. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. I want to welcome everyone watching online. I know Pastor Aaron already did that, uh, but can we in-house let those online know we love them by making some noise? Let's be honest, some of us are going, yeah, hey, welcome, you're on your couch while I got dressed this morning and showed up to church. Uh, Also, I want to say um, hi to Eric, EJ, Hannah, Michelle, and G. I know you're watching online. Uh, Candice, Keith, Donna, and Sammy, thank you for joining us online. Uh, And if I didn't mention your name, it's because you're not commenting in the section. I only see your name when you comment. And for all those who are watching online, there's like 47 eyeballs watching online. Um, Tell us where you are, not with a word, but with an emoji, if you know how to do that. And I'll let those in-house that are chatting with them online, you guys let them know where you are right now with an emoji. Good luck. Okay. It's an honor to have each and every one of you here. Uh, You are the reason that God established this place, and you have to know that you are loved. Let me highlight one thing that Pastor Aaron said. Uh, We do not, I mean, we believe that life really is more fulfilling within circles and not rows. That's not a, a push to sit at a table. Excuse me. <laughs> really an encouragement to get connected within a smaller group of people because we're not a church with small groups. We are a church made up of small groups. And uh, it's, we want to get you involved in relationship or give you the opportunity. And one of the ways we do that is uh, small groups Creekside groups, but during the summer we don't have uh, formal Creekside groups because of the vacations and the schedule, but we want to create an environment where you can connect with other people, invite your unchurched friends to connect with friends within the church in a non-awkward or unawkward, I don't know what the correct grammatical way to say that is, uh, way, and eat really good food. Food is biblical. And, uh, but right, what, we're, what I'm asking you to do is pray and consider, talk to your spouse or whoever, and, and see if you can host one barbecue for June, one barbecue for July, one barbecue for August. That's it. And I promise you, if you do, uh, I'm going to be talking with some families too about Kristen and I partnering up with uh, hosting them as well. If you do, I promise you, God's going to move in ways that you never expected. Plus, uh, what I know to be true is my own problems, my own busyness, my own stress seems to dissipate whenever I focus on caring for someone else. Try it out. Prove me wrong. So uh, sign up. You can see Monique. Uh, You can go online if you're interested. There is a host huddle today right after second service. So if you have any questions, you don't have to commit to anything. Just go and hear uh, Monique and and what's involved in this. 
So this morning, we're going to get right into it. I want to look at something that has serious consequences. I'm going to be up front. I may, uh, you may feel a little pressed on this. I may uh, kind of, uh, you know, mess up your theology a little bit. Uh, or you, you may not like everything I'm saying today. I'm, I'm just being transparent with you. Because we're going to talk about something that has serious consequences. Serious consequences. And, and, and it's, an, it's, it's a dangerous lie that a lot of us believe. So I want to have a little fun this morning because I know it's going to get kind of heavy, but I want to have a little fun today. I want you to look at the person on your right and left. Okay? Look at the person. All the introverts are going, I don't like this place. <laughs> look at the people on the right and left, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to point at the one who looks like the biggest sinner. All the wives are like, yes! He's preaching the gospel. No. I know it's a little awkward, isn't it? But the reality is, there is something in the Bible that is called the unpardonable sin. And in today's culture, we could argue that the unpardonable sin is actually calling someone a sinner. I know we've touched on this in the weeks past, but we're going to dig in a little deeper to it. Today, I, I think it's a prevalent mindset is that it's unacceptable, unacceptable to say what anyone else does is a sin. You can't do it. It's wrong. Which leads us to a cultural belief that we have today. And we're going to talk about it. And we hear this all the time. And maybe even some of you have said it yourself. Maybe some of you even believe this. That it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anybody else. It doesn't matter what I do as long as no one else gets hurt. Because you know why? This is my life. My life, my truth... And you do you, and I'll do me. And the truth is, Scripture doesn't say that. That mindset cannot be found in Scripture. It doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anyone. As long, you know, I'm living my life, I'm living my truth, you do you, I'll do me. Today, I want to dive into the reality of what Scripture teaches. Teaches us about our behavior and before we dive in let's reflect a little uh, I want to ask you this question what do you think was the biggest cultural value in the time of Jesus what do you think would be the biggest cultural value you don't have to answer out loud it's a rhetorical question now I may not be able to totally prove this um, but there's a strong argument that the, the prevalent cultural value in Jesus' time was justice. An eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth. Does that sound familiar? If I ask the same question of today, 
In our world, an argument might, might be made that our cultural value, our strongest one, is tolerance. I mean, we talked about this before. John 3, uh, 15. 1 John 3, 15. No, John 3, 15. Judge not, lest you be judged. What's interesting to me is the definition of tolerance has really changed over the last 15 years or so. Tolerance used to mean that all people have equal value. All people, meaning we value people. Today it seems to mean all ideas and behaviors have equal value. All ideas and behaviors. I think the definition of tolerance has changed a little bit. So much so in culture today that it's unacceptable and wrong to say that this behavior is wrong. It's, it's unacceptable to say that this behavior is sin or sinful. It has become wrong to say things are wrong. Culturally, we have, walk with me for a second, we have watered down, beautified, sanitized, what would otherwise be considered wrong and sinful. And we've done this by using terms terms given to them that are more acceptable labels to help us feel better about our behavior. Take the category of sexual sin. Instead of saying you're looking at porn, we now say adult entertainment. Right? Instead of saying I committed adultery, no, we had an affair. Sounds so much nicer, doesn't it? We had an affair. And listen, by no means are we going to call premarital sex a sin today. Now we call it hooking up. When I was a youth pastor, I had a, an adult staff I had to kind of walk through this with on why it's so dangerous and he came back to me going listen dude it's just you know when I do it I'm relieving stress because I got so much stress in my life I'm like bro you're 19 <laughs> we have taken what was once wrong and we've changed it we've changed the way we describe it in our culture today, the unpardonable sin is telling someone else what they are doing is wrong. Even as a pastor, marriage counseling. Hey, we were just, we're not getting along. Well, you stop being selfish. You stop being selfish. Focus on one another. And then they leave the church because Pastor George ripped them a new one. It happens. 
We're becoming a culture where I can do whatever I want, how I want, when I want, as long as I want, as long as I don't hurt anybody else because it's my life. I could talk how I want. I could even treat other people how I want. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look, watch this, so how the Word of God written so long ago is so applicable to today. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itchy ears want to hear. Now listen, you gotta, we have to recognize, sin is real. Sin has real earthly consequences. And potentially damning eternal consequences. Today I want to talk about three cultural misconceptions, misbeliefs about sin. And I want to see what God really says about them. Three of them. Here's the first one. I think it's very common for most people to believe that I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I mean, I do some good things. My good things far outweigh the bad things I do. I'm not that bad. Now, I make some mistakes. I get it. But hey, I'm not a bad person. The reality is, that is not true. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we do what, church? Deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. See, if we compare ourselves with other people, we can always find someone else who is much worse than we are, who talks worse than us, who does worse things than us. And that's just in church. And then, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the reality is, and the truth is, that other people are not the standard that we are to live by, that we're not to compare ourselves to. When we compare ourselves to a holy and just and perfect God, can anyone ever really measure up? If we, when we compare ourselves to a perfect, holy, and just God, here's the reality that hits you. I am a horrible person. Compared to the love of God, the grace of Christ, I'm a horrible, filthy sinner. And look around this room. This church is filled with bad people. How many of us have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Some of us who aren't raising our hand are lying right now. <laughs> How many of us have ever stolen? We already addressed this because all of you, if, well, many of you, if not all of us, have taken a Creekside pin. My wife's going to fight me on that one. How many? Yeah, you. <laughs> My wife, the hero. Take pins. We're going to make more. How many of you have ever lusted after somebody or something? 
We've not many of us want to admit that, but we have. So if you've ever done any one of those three, what are you? You're a lying, thieving, adulterer. <laughs> We're not inherently good people. We are sinful to the core. We're not good people. In fact, Scripture teaches us in Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous. How many? Not even one. Not even me. I wasn't born a pastor. I mean, let me give you an example. And I fight this every day. I don't know how many of you have to, you know, you drive or commute to work, but every time I leave, every time I leave this place during the weekday, you know, it doesn't matter when I leave this place, no matter when I leave this place, I get on Highway 4 going west, and then I live in Pleasant Hill, so I have to merge on to 680 South. Some genius at Caltrans said, hey, let's make that merge as tiny as possible. So what happens? Cars back up for five miles on Highway 4, and then you got to merge. Merge into a lane where people have been waiting hours to get on to 680, and you essentially have to cut them off. Or you're the one, you're the one, you're the one that has been waiting in that line, and you don't want to let someone else in. Nuh-uh, Buster. You need to wait your turn like I did five miles ago <laughs> but then they start creeping in and they nose their car in front of yours and you're they're not going to hit me they're really not thinking they're not going to hit me oh they're going to hit me and what do you do you lay on your horn you may hold up a hand or two <laughs> you get mad don't you not a not <laughs> my wife used to say listen I'm going, I can't get over. They're driving, they're, they're driving right up next to me. And if I speed up, they speed up. Am I the only one that's been there? They're not going to let me over. My wife goes, babe, just turn on your blinker. <laughs> they'll, they'll let you over. And I turn on my blinker. And they continue to stay right with me. Or worse, the guy behind them speeds up. Now she realizes it is personal. Because she would say, they don't know you. They're not thinking about you. I said, they are too, because they're staying right with me. <laughs> We're all bad people. I'm a bad person. I mean, I, I get angry when I drive. I take it personal, and I get mad. And I think a lot of us in this room do as well. It may not be driving, but it may be something else. Whatever it is. And don't deceive yourself, God knows. I'm not a bad person. That statement is simply not true. The second cultural misconception about sin, and it's a very dangerous one, is that all sin is the same. We've probably heard that. We've probably said that. Many of us probably believe, hey, a sin's a sin. Is it really, though? Is a sin really a sin? You hear this all the time. Again, many people believe it. Who are you to judge me? Who are you to judge me? You can't judge me. You don't know me. What I'm doing isn't any worse than what my friend Paul's doing. You can't judge me. Why? Paul's sinning. I'm sinning. Sin's a sin, right? 
It's not what Scripture says. A sin, sin is, all sin is not the same. What we need to understand and really listen to what I'm about to say is this. The Bible doesn't teach that all sin is the same. It teaches that all unforgiven sin does lead to eternal death. Did you catch that? It doesn't teach that all sin is the same. It teaches that all unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. In fact, Paul says this, in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Any type of sin. Any type of sin. Little sin, big sin. Any unforgiven sin leads to eternal death. That stinks. But here's the good news. It says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All unforgiven sin leads to eternal death but not all sin is the same let's let's go back to that driving analogy getting flipped off we're flipping somebody off what happens when you get flipped off in today's culture it may be hey you 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 shoot the finger at them that's a sin flipping someone off is a sin but then they shoot you with the gun That's a different kind of sin. You with me so far? Both will keep you out of heaven if they are not forgiven. Both are not equal in the terms of consequences. Let's not get this twisted. Forgiveness has nothing to do with consequences. And I think in our world... We are trying to eradicate consequences for our actions. All sin is not the same. Unforgiven sin separates you from God, but all sin is not the same. Listen, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down, and we have to recognize this. How we live in this world influences at least three things uh, in our life. Our behavior. Listen, consequences on earth. You know, if you're a blessing to others, others will bless you. If you are sinful, there are consequences here on earth. You got to remember, not all consequences are, are, are the same. Listen, if our youth pastor, Pastor Jesse, right, commits the sin of gluttony, you know what the sin of gluttony is? It, it's one of the seven, right? Gluttony, that's eating too much, making food your God, and, and you're just, it, it consumes you. If Pastor Jesse, which obviously he is not, <laughs> I'm just using him as an analogy. If Pastor Jesse commits a sin of gluttony, he will most likely keep his job. But if he's caught on campus or anywhere in this world smoking dope with one of our teens, do you think he will keep his job? The good news is he has not (laughs) done that. You see the difference? Consequences are not the same. 
There are different consequences to our behavior. Would you agree with me or disagree with me? Okay. It also influences our rewards in heaven. You've got to know that God rewards certain godly behaviors in heaven. There are rewards in heaven for how we live here on earth. What we do with what God's given us here on earth. What we do with it. What we don't do with what God's given us to steward here on earth. And then it influences the punishment in hell. In some degree or another, obviously, we don't know exactly what the details are that's involved in this, but we know how we live influences our punishment in hell. Let me show you a few different verses this morning. Luke 20, 47, the Pharisees says, uh, the Pharisees devour widows' houses. Really what it's saying is they're taking advantage of those whom the church has called to serve, love, and help. They're taking advantage of them. The Pharisees are. And, for a, and, and, and they make a show, they make, uh, uh, and for a show, make lengthy prayers. And it says this, these men will be punished, how? So this implies right there that there might be a less severe punishment for some, and for some there may be a more severe punishment. Are you with me so far? Jesus said to Pilate, John 19.11, Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of what? A greater sin. Implies that there's greater sins and lesser sins. I mean, look at the category of sexual sin. It says this, run from all sexual sin with an exclamation point. That means he's yelling it at you. Run from all, all sexual sin. Why? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Why? Because there's different consequences to this sin than there are the other sins. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He's begging us to know that you, the, our mind, our body, and our soul were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are not our own. And he's saying, flee sexual sin. So now, some other translations say all other sins, you know, all other sins, he, uh, he says, fight. Fight and resist. But did you know that this is the only one that he doesn't even say to try and fight? He doesn't say try and resist it. He says run from it. Get away as fast as you can. For some of us who believe it doesn't matter what I do, I'm here to tell you, yes, it does. Our behavior matters. Sin has consequences on earth, and sin has consequences for eternity. I'm not a bad person. Yes, we are. All sins are the same. No, they're not. Another big cultural belief that we have today 
or a misbelief, misconception is since I've already done it, might as well keep doing it. I'm not a virgin anymore, so... You know, I've already done drugs, so... Already cheated, didn't get caught, so... No one knows I'm looking at porn, so... Here's something that may shock some of you. Evidently, thousands of years ago, that problem was just as real as it is today. And the Apostle Paul asked a very relevant and pressing question in Romans chapter 6, where he said this, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us even more and more of His wonderful grace? I think he was being a little sarcastic there. I mean, hey, if God's forgiven us anyway, why should I stop? I'm not hurting anybody. Why should I stop doing this? And then he shouts at us, of course not. Are you stupid? No, he didn't say that. That's my emphasis. (laughs) He says you're smarter than that. You know better than that. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Why do we keep doing? Even the Apostle Paul says, I keep doing what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I know I need to do. What I want to do. In other words, since Jesus died for us and we came to Him and we put our faith and trust in Him, our our, our sin nature no longer has the power over us. It, it, It doesn't control us anymore. We have the power to overcome it through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We now, or we know the power of Christ. And we now have the power of Christ to overcome. So why is it that we continue to go back into which hurts the heart of God over and over and over again? Not just hurts the heart of God, but it hurts our own life. It obliterates relationships. And it has the potential to hurt so many people around us. Why do we keep doing it? Shall we keep on sinning? Why not? It makes the, you know, the grace of God even more. Because God's going to forgive us anyway. I've already done it. Of course not. Paul is saying you know better than that. We do. God has something so much better for you. Here's what's so interesting to me. And you may hear this from time to time in church. You know, ah, I, just w- I just wish we'd just go deeper. Deeper in the Word. Deeper in theology. Deeper in, you know, I want the real meat. I want to get in, dig into doctrine. You know, I want to camp out for a year in Romans. Can we just get some deep theological study on Sunday morning? 
And, and listen, all, in all honesty, I'm, I'm all for deep teaching. I'm all for digging in. And, and we, cre- you know, we have different small groups where that can happen as well. I'm all for deep roots. But listen to me. Spiritual maturity isn't about how much we know. It's, a how, it's about how much we obey. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritual, spiritual maturity isn't about more knowledge. Spiritual maturity is about having more fruit. Spiritual fruit. Spiritual maturity is allowing the Holy Spirit to take over and to live through you. That's spiritual maturity. If you love Jesus, you will obey Him. Obey Jesus. Remember, we surrendered to Him as Lord of our life. Not a partner in my life. The problem is, and here's what I'm learning. Most Christians are educated well beyond their level of obedience. Including myself. Most of us are well educated or educated well beyond our level of obedience. Most of us don't need to know more. We don't need more knowledge. We need to apply what we already know. Here's what's so scary. And we see it all the time. And this this is kind of where we kind of get jacked up in this relationship with Christ. We continue in sin and we don't even realize it. Here's what seems to be true. The most miserable miserable people in this world are not non-Christians. The most miserable people in this world are Christians who continue to sin. Not just continuing to sin, but making a conscious decision to live in sin. Those who know the freedom we have in Christ. Those who know the grace and forgiveness available to them. Those who know know, the standard, but yet they intentionally disobey God. When God says, go right, and you go, no, I'm going to go left. They know that you know, there, there is something better, but we continue to reject the way and the will and the purpose of God. And I'm not standing here before you acting like I got it all locked down and put together. I don't. In fact, if you're not aware of sin, chances are that it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Because the closer I get to Jesus, the more He reveals the impurity in my own life. The more time I spend with Him, the more time I spend in God's Word, the more of, of my imperfectness or imperfectness is uh, imperfectness? I said that, right? Is revealed in my own life. See? Right there. 
I'm always in a state of confessing sin in my life. Not so God will love me. Not so Jesus will love me more. I'm always in a state of confessing sin because I love Him. It's my response to Him. Because I don't want to do things that are displeasing to Him. And so, some of us need to be reminded that this, you know, sin, it, it's progressive. It's not, it's not just a one and done. It's progressive. Sin grows best in the dark. It's like a fungus. When you keep it hidden, it grows. It begins to consume you and overwhelm you and overtake you. But when you confess it, it brings it into the light. And that's when the light of Jesus sets you free. When you confess it. Praying that the Holy Spirit lovingly convicts some here today. Because there's some that are here today that are bound by sin. But you started calling it something else to make it a little more appealing. You started calling it something else to mitigate maybe some of the consequences. I'm not sure what it is for you, but whatever that sin is, it's progressive. Pornography, it grows. You look at it a little bit, a little more, 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 then it consumes you. Stealing. I shared my history about sticky fingers. It consumes you. It grows. Lying. Lying. We even got a cute little name for lying. A little white lie. I had to tell a little white lie today for the sake of a lie is a lie. I don't care what color you put on it. It grows. Flirting. Flirting has ruined marriages and relationships. Uh, I heard someone say this too uh, 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 about you know, the dangers of alcohol because you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little more, a little more. And, and someone asked this guy, well, how come you stop drinking? He said, because I've never seen alcohol bring a family together. Yeah. Here's what I know about sin, and you may have heard this. It takes you farther than you want to go, it keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you ever wanted to pay. We need to be a people in today's culture lovingly holding each other accountable, calling people out, confessing to one another our sin. Somewhere in Scripture, it says uh, forgiveness comes from God, but healing comes from confessing your sin to one another. I think it's James. He's pretty hardcore. 
healing comes from one another. Because the reality is, we can sit there and sin all day and go, God, I'm so sorry for doing this today. Tomorrow, God, I'm so sorry for doing that same thing I did yesterday that I asked for God will forgive you, but you know how you're going to be healed from it is when you get with another brother or another sister and say, I need help. God's forgiven me, but I want to be healed of this. And I know the Christ in you and, and, and the Christ in me, we're going to work together. And I'm going to overcome this. Kind of makes it, changes the perception, camera angle on, maybe, maybe what I do does affect other people. It's a big deal, and sin will eventually cost you a lot. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close. What I know is that it hurts God, it hurts people, and it hurts you. Sin kills intimacy. Sin dulls God's voice in our life. Sin hardens your heart. And what happens is you begin to distance yourself from God. I'm here to tell you, anybody within earshot of my voice that's willing to listen with an open heart and an open mind, sin will mess you up. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Say it with me. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And Jesus is a friend of mine. When you see yourself as a sinner, you will then, only then, see yourself as one who is in need of a Savior. We looked at this a few weeks back. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Tempted. But when you are tempted, He will also provide what? A way out so that you can endure that temptation. It doesn't matter what you are trapped in. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. It doesn't matter, you know, if you think you can never overcome it, God says He will always give you a way out. Always. And that way out is Jesus. It says He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And what we need to do for many of us, if not all of us, including myself, is we need to begin to step out of our sin and step into a relationship with Christ. We need to step out of our sin and step into submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That means stop inviting Jesus onto your throne and trying to half-cheek it with Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be on my throne. You know, I want you to take the throne, be on the throne of my life, but you know, I kind of want to sit there too. So can you scoot over a little bit? 
kind of let me do what I want to do. Step out of our sin into, step into a relationship with Jesus. 1 John 1, 8, 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, it says God is faithful. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Step out of sin and step into a relationship. And how do we do this? Stand with me. Stand with me, please. Because I'm about to read a passage that could be life-changing for every single one of us in this room. Even those who have been walking with Jesus for 20 plus years, 10 years, 15 years, 15 years. We need to give this passage the reverence that it is due. Because I believe the work of Christ on the cross demands so much more than we give. For God sent His one and only Son. Why? Because He loved us that much. That whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. That's not the passage I'm talking about. It's this one here. We're talking about sin. We're talking about confessing our sin. We're talking about not, you know, putting cute terms on a death sentence for eternity. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is a cool dude to know, or he's, you know, kind of a, he's kind of like my best friend. No, he's your Lord. He's my Lord. That Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. It's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Listen, friends, uh, we're going to worship in a moment. There's no need to clean up your act. There's no need to get things right. There's no, you know, uh, you, there's nothing you need to do except to step out of your sin, believe, and confess. That's it. Believe and confess. And Father, we come before you right now and we surrender all our lives, my lives, and I open my life to you and your Lordship. And I acknowledge, Father, that I am a sinner and I am in need of a Savior. Father, I'm tired of making excuses for my sin. I want, I want to put myself in obedience or an, an obedient position to you, Father. I want to start my relationship, continue my relationship with Jesus. For I know I know that you, Jesus, are the way, you, Jesus, are the truth, and you, Jesus, are the life. And I want to know you, and I want to know your purpose for my life. So I'm deciding today to believe with my whole heart. I'm confessing my sins to you, and I'm, I'm confessing with my mouth that you are my Lord. Because I know, I know in the name of Jesus, there's true freedom. And I pray this. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen, 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 Amen and Amen.